Hey everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I am a licensed psychologist here in Georgia and it is time for the TT Time with Dr. Tarver is a wellness-based podcast. It is not intended to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health provider. So here we are everyone in this last Wednesday of January and this month we have been talking about goals but I do want to switch gears for today's topic and I hope that you all will give me that grace. Uh, I was very struck by learning that uh, actress director Regina King's only child, her son Ian Alexander Jr. on the 19th of January completed suicide uh, which was his 26th birthday and that really struck me and it struck of course conversations that are often uncomfortable for us to have around suicide. I'm sure that you have seen a lot of social media coverage of it as well as news coverage of it and I wanted to just take some time today to be able to talk with you about the conversations that we don't want to have suicide and families. So one of the things that inevitably happens whenever someone completes suicide is that we're scrambling to try to figure things out. We're trying to get an understanding. We want to know why. We're trying to make sense of events. We're playing things back in our heads. And often one of the things that we do is we go to uh, that person's social media. So in, in the case of Mr. Alexander, people were going to his last social media posts Uh, One of which said that he thought it might be best that he take a break from Instagram because he was recognizing that it might be unhealthy for him. Now, I do not want in any way to suggest that social media played a role in Mr. Alexander completing suicide. But I do want to discuss some of the factors that can contribute to a person considering suicide. And there is a relationship between social media and suicide. So in a 2012 article entitled Social Media and Suicide, a Public Health Perspective, uh, authors Luxton June and Farrell, I hope I pronounced that correctly, just discuss a lot of the evidence that's out there around how social media can influence. It is a strong correlation, right? So we're not saying that it is causing, but we're saying that there is a strong correlation between social media and suicide-related behavior. And as we know, the internet is a place where people can find a lot of information. There are forums that people can go to in which people are discussing the means that people can take to kill themselves. There are pharmaceutical companies that are online that will send you uh, medications, and I'm using that term loosely, um, that you can use in order to complete suicide. You can find step-by-step directions. There are, unfortunately, in this age of us recording everything, there are videos out there of people completing suicide. And a lot of sites do a good job at trying to get those things off their websites as soon as they're posted but as you all know once something is out there digitally it's out there and so often people are taking these things and downloading them there are there are message boards that people can go to that provide information about how you can die by suicide there is a term that has been coined as you all recognize cyberbullying has become a huge thing with regard to social media and so now 
uh, cyberbullying, whether it's indirectly or directly linked to suicidal behavior, the, the term has been coined cyberbullicide to be able to describe some of those cases where we know that they're in, so, in some way social media was linked. There are suicide packs that can be between individuals, two or more, um, about what time they're going to kill themselves and often by what means, the same means, usually that they're going to kill themselves. There are videos of even self-harm behavior and though different, there's a difference between suicide and self-harm. Often, uh, as people are looking to relieve this pain that they're experiencing, they can inadvertently uh, complete suicide. Um, there is a lot of media coverage when it comes to suicide, uh, which there is a phenomenon known as a media contagion in which we are seeing this coverage and that inspires others who may be struggling to consider suicide. Uh, and then there are other factors, uh, even, even beyond this. And there's, there's, um, as you well know, there are some well-documented cases of people encouraging um, people to to complete suicide friends who are egging these things on cyber harassment cyber stalking um, go into that where people will tell you just kill yourself or a friend will say hey um, you said you were going to do it then let's do it uh, um, you all may remember the case of a young lady telling her her partner that um, but there's also things like financial distress here we are in the midst of a pandemic that has been going on for two years now people have lost their homes uh, people have been unable to work. Uh, they're underemployed or unemployed. Um, people have been, I mean, it's almost everywhere you go, people have been experiencing rate, uh, raises in rates of things. So whether that's groceries or insurance um, or uh, basic needs and supplies, everything has gone up and, and people just can't afford to be able to sustain some of these things. And and one of the things that people have is, is often uh, insurance policies that they have taken out for their for their families. And if there's not a suicide clause in those policies, then people will consider suicide as a way to help their family be able to get out of, of financial debt and to put them in, in a better place. Uh, loneliness and isolation, we have been very isolated during this pandemic and people in that isolation and loneliness, that's when your mind can really have its way, if you will, because all you have is your thoughts. And so when you're in those depths of despair, um, when you are dealing with chronic mental illness for a lot of people, depression being at the top of that list, um, or you're dealing with pain uh, that is constant, or you're dealing with loss of abilities, loss of sight, loss of limbs, um, loss of relationships that you've had in your life, whether that's a breakup or a divorce, those kind of things can really, when you are by yourself, really wreak havoc in your brain. And we've talked about becoming a prisoner of your own mind. Then we've had death of loved ones. We've had a lot of deaths. We've been around death. There's a lot going on in this country and it can feel very hopeless to people. And then add on top of that experiencing failures in life. We discussed earlier in this series the effect of failures on your worth, whether that's uh, academic failures or failures in business or failures with being able to manage money financially wisely. That those kind of things play over and over again into someone's head. And then 
insomnia. So if I can't sleep, my mind is is restless. Uh, and so I'm unable to sleep or it's, it's I'm unable to sleep because of pain or I'm unable to sleep because I'm dealing with chronic health conditions that are, are causing me to be restless or hot, uh, uncomfortable in a lot of different ways. Maybe I've got some GI issues. I keep going to the bathroom and we start thinking, is this really the quality of life that I want to have? Is this really living? So people are struggling in a lot of ways and we often because we look at people and because people don't look like what they're going through we often think to ourselves well they're fine they didn't have anything to be that upset about we're very dismissive we've discussed this when it comes to children we're very dismissive of the experiences of our young people because we think you have you don't have anything you need to be worried about like you're being taken care of you're being supported so what you got a failing grade so what there was a breakup but these things can be very devastating to people and sometimes when you're in that despair and you're in that hole that darkness you do not see any kind of light you don't see any hope you just want that pain to end and so even though we feel like but you're loved you have all of these gifts you have all these talents there's nothing that can't be fixed but when I'm in that place of despair then I don't see those options in the same way that you do I see my struggles as my everyday experience that I wake up and I have emotional pain or physical pain, mental pain, some kind of distress in my life. And that is my everyday. And it gets harder and harder to try to find reasons to still be here when you don't feel like you have a purpose, if that's what your life is going to be. So what happens when we have someone in our family's complete suicide? Well, of course, we're in shock. Um, and especially when it's one of our children, the loss of a child, there's not even a word in our, our language to even express that because we expect to lose our parents. They're older than us. We expect to lose people who are dealing with, with chronic illness. They're in hospice. We don't expect to lose our children via suicide. In our minds, that's not even something that's fathomable because we think, you have so much to live for. I love you. Why would you want to leave this place? Why wouldn't you tell me you were in this distress? There's a lot of blame. There's a lot of guilt that we experience in our families when it comes to suicide. All of the questions we can't answer. We're playing back things in our mind. Could I have done something? Maybe they were trying to communicate something to me and I didn't hear it. I was dismissive of it. What's the last conversation that we had? And we start blaming other people too. We're, oh, well, you weren't there for them. I was there, but you weren't there. Remember your last conversation? You were arguing. I told you you're too hard, right? So we, because in our pain, we're just trying to find some understanding. We're going to go to that place of blame, whether it's self-blame or it's blaming other people because we're just trying to make sense of something that doesn't make logical sense to us. We feel like failures because we weren't able to see this, prevent this, manage this. You're not here anymore and, and I'm taking responsibility for that. We can be so angry and resentful at this person for leaving us. How dare you do this to me? Did you not think about how this would make me feel? And we struggle with that because we love this person. We're grieving them, but at the same time, we're angry at them. It can cause grief to be very complicated. And any unresolved issues come to the forefront when you have a completed suicide. So if there was family conflict, if there was a mental illness that wasn't addressed, if there were um, 
things that were going on financially, all of these things come to light when a person completes suicide. It's almost like it takes the the covers away and you're just exposed everything that's happening. And because people are doing that, people are questioning, which is, you know, often what ends up happening is people around you are having discussions because we like to fill in information when we don't have information. So we start speculating. So you're hearing all these speculations and these rumors and there's such stigma associated with suicide. So often families don't want to even talk about that they had suicide occur with a family member because people like to put their views, especially uh, when it comes to spiritual and religious views. And people will often then come and say some very hurtful things to you about what's going to happen to your loved one because you completed suicide, because they completed suicide. So you're in conflict, you're struggling. You may be struggling with your own religious views and your own beliefs about suicide. Their shame that we experience. What are people going to think about us? Are they going to think that I led this person that I love to complete suicide, that I wasn't there for them, that I'm inadequate in, in, in some way, um, that, that I should have gotten them some help or I should have done something, right? So we're, we're dealing with all of those things. And we want privacy, understandably so. One of the things um, Regina King said about her son, and I do want to read her quote, our family is devastated at the deepest level by the loss of Ian. He is such a bright light who cared so deeply about the happiness of others. Our family asks for respectful consideration during this private time. Thank you. Right. And so that speaks to people are trying to figure it out. They're trying to process. The last thing they need is for us to be butting in to them in their lives, speculating, making uh, statements about things we have no idea about. Right. And which is often why people will close themselves off as they're grieving. They don't want to connect with other people. It is painful. It is hurtful even to try to open yourself up to having loving, caring relationships with those people that care about you because you're in such conflict emotionally. Uh, and, and everybody's different in that process. Some people will want to talk about it. Some people won't want to talk about it. Uh, and again, when we are not getting what we want from people because we're trying to be helpful, we will often insert ourselves and pry into things that are not our business, right? So let's talk about how to be supportive and also how to deal with a suicide. In terms of support, you are being nosy, asking details about what happened to someone when they have lost their loved one to suicide. There is no information about that that you need to know. The only thing that you need to do is be present for this person because they are probably not eating. They're probably not sleeping. They are definitely not attending to the business of their homes. So if you are a person who is invited to be a part of a support system, then please know your role. If that person wants you to pray with them, then you pray with them. If that person wants you to sit with them and not say a word, just be present with them so they do not feel like them there by themselves, then you sit with them. If they say, I need a hug, you give them a hug. If they're not eating, you try to offer them things that they can tolerate. Hey, just try a little few sips of this protein shake. Just take a couple of bites of this sandwich. There doesn't have to be any conversation at all about the suicide. You can just simply say, I'm here whenever you need me. 
and I'm going to go take care of some of the things in the house. Do you know how helpful it is to just have somebody possibly cleaning, getting, making sure your clothes are washed, making sure that if you have children, they're attended to, making sure that, that you're just getting up every day um, because you are struggling, you are in pain. Right. Like, hey, just let's let's just put on some clean PJs. We're just going to shower and put on some clean PJs. I, I'm not wanting you to do any more than that. Right. So those are the ways that you can show up for people and don't make it about you. Don't talk to them about losses in your life that you've experienced. Hey, I, I lost my dad and I don't do that. We're not going to going to compare. That is not helpful at all. Because everyone experiences loss different. So please don't ever tell someone you know how they feel. Because you don't. You are not them. It is not important for you to talk about anything that you've experienced. You are simply there to be present for them and whatever they may need. They may want to laugh. You may want to crack some jokes. They may just want to go through albums. And they may just talk. They may just be talking and you just listen. Right? Oh yeah, I remember. I remember that. Right. So just being present is all you need to do in this moment. And again, only by invitation, because as much as sometimes we get arrogant and think that we are the one who is going to be there for people, you may not be the one. Do not take it personally. When people need you, they will reach out to you. They will ask for you. They will accept what you are offering. But they are absolutely entitled to not be receptive to any of that. And that is their right. All right. So if you are in a situation where you have lost someone by suicide, allow yourself to feel. We often don't want to deal with emotions. We get to the busyness of the details of, of uh, burial or memorial or however um, this person's end of life processes is, is going to be um, and and then we don't allow ourselves to sit we don't allow ourselves to deal because we've, we're afraid that we're going to crack apart and not be able to recover and the reality is you may feel like that for an indefinite amount of time but you are going to feel different at some point but you do have to allow yourself to experience all those painful emotions don't fall into the shoulds, right? Oh, I should have, I should be doing this. I should have done this. This is how I should be grieving. We all grieve differently. Allow yourself to grieve in whatever space that may be. You might want to just go lay in that person's bed. Hold the pillow that they slept with. Have the shirt that smells like them. Whatever that process is for you, allow yourself to experience that process. It is important that you do attend to your physical body. So, there needs to be some kind of food intake. You need to be getting some liquids inside you. You need to try to get rest. And I know our minds are often just not going to allow us to be at peace. But you take that rest when you can. I don't care if it's 30 minutes here and 60 minutes there. But allow yourself to rest when you can. You do have support. And I know often we just don't want to deal with people. We just can't handle people. We don't want people being intrusive in our space. But I guarantee you that you have a person who can just sit with you. That person who, if you want to talk, is available for you to talk. That is not going to offer you any trite expressions. Uh, you know, heaven doesn't give you any more than you can bet. No, no one who is going to do that. But just someone who can sit in the space with you. When you are ready 
It may be helpful to do a, a support group or have some therapy as you're processing through all of these very difficult things that come along with being a survivor of someone who completed suicide. But you might not be in that space right after you experience that loss. And that's okay. Free yourself from your shame, your guilt, the things that you're questioning in your mind. Free yourself from that. You have no control over someone else's decisions. And I think it's important for us to understand why people can complete suicide so that we can forgive this loved one and free them too. They were struggling and they did what they knew to do, they thought to do, um, they, they thought was the way to get out of pain, this unbearable pain in the moment. And we have to forgive them for making that choice, even though it took them away from us. Sometimes it's helpful to seek spiritual guidance, especially if you're struggling with this notion of what happens to people if they complete suicide. It is imperative that you avoid rumors and social media and and gossipy people. You do not want to have all of that negative energy in your space. So be very intentional about what you're listening to, who you're listening to during this time. I definitely encourage you to take breaks from any person or anything that could be detrimental to your spirit. There are a lot of resources for survivors and there are a lot of resources for people who are considering suicide and need some support. The National Suicide Prevention Hotline is one and they also have a 24-hour chat um, so they can be reached at one 800 273 8255 and also if you go to their website you can get set up for that 24-7 chat Samaritan Crisis Services at 877-870-4673 I'm going to share these resources as well um, so that you can have you can see them visually Uh, suicide prevention resources for survivors uh, include the American Foundation for suicide prevention which has all kinds of information on there but also information for uh, survivors Um, and then there is a website um, for survivors of suicide loss www.sprc.org and that is uh, they have a survivors document on there Um, suicide.org has a forum and other resources that can be of assistance and Alliance of Hope has a blog and a forum as well Survivors of suicide loss are going to be experiencing a range of things. Be kind. Be thoughtful. And most importantly, be well.